Please remain standing as we continue worship with a reading from Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated after you say hello to someone next to you. Morning, y'all. How we doing? Glad you're here. Uh, Who is still buzzing from New Year's resolutions? Anyone? No one. Wow, you've all already given up. Come on. How many... How many of you have actually done something and stuck with it this week? We're only one weekend. Come on, good. Thank you. A couple people. Well done. All right. Do you guys actually have like hard goals you're going for? Or like you have like numbers? Has anyone done this? Anyone sitting like hard? Anyone? Come on. Come on. Are anyone doing this? No. A few people. You have like hard goals. You're like, there's a number. I'm reaching for this. I think think that's really helpful. Goals are great, right? Uh, I think... (laughs) Even, even for me asking that question, I could feel like half the room being like, come on, dude, right? I think people have a vast response, that wide response to when you start talking about goals, you know, start talking about uh, accomplishing goals. I think we have different response to people that have goals. You know? I think we have different responses to people that achieve goals. Uh, whether you are energized by it or completely depressed and despondent about it, we fluctuate about how we think about goals and visions, mostly based on how much coffee we've had that morning, probably. Because, um, like, what is a goal? What is, a, what is it? Well, uh, in its most basic sense, it's an aim. A goal is an intended outcome. It's something you're striving for. It's a vision, right? Isn't it? Isn't a goal just like a dream, sort of? Like, it's not reality now, but I think it could be. A goal is this idea that, like, there's something more that I could achieve that I'm not achieving now. There's something more to be had that I don't have now. And you know what, doggone it, I think I could do it. And depending on the goal itself, it may feel at times completely unrealistic and impossible, right? Like if you're like me, I set ridiculously impossible goals for myself. And I, you know, you, you, when you fail, you're probably going to fail, right? And then you have all these contradicting feelings now about goals, you know? That's why there is this wonderful and hilarious world of things called demotivators. You know the motivational posters? You guys know those, right? Like, you can fly as high as your dreams can soar, right? Those type things. You seen those things? With the eagle, beautiful picture. You guys know the motivational post, right? You know those. Anybody? Okay, thank you. Is anyone out there? Okay, good. Just a little bit of feedback will help me out, okay? Insecure up here, all right? Well, so someone came up with these things called demotivators. So let's look. This is, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. The sky's the limit. Too bad you can't fly. Next. Let's, let's roll. We got a lot to get through. Consistency. It's only a virtue if you're not a screw up. I love that. Complain- this is great because certain things are worth fighting for in a certain way up to a certain point, right? 
I love these. Next, uh, confidence. If you believe in yourself firmly enough, you can attempt not just the difficult, but even the truly ridiculous. This is good. When we told you to follow your instincts, we didn't know yours were to create obstacles all the time. <laughs> just a few more because it's hilarious. Sometimes I literally just, this is, this is a, the only consistent feature in all of your dissatisfying relationships is you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I love that chain. This is the best. Mistakes. It could be. The purpose of your life is only to serve as a warning to others. Yes. So good. Oh, I love it. See, I think we are attracted to goals and ambitions and high standards and also not so much, right? I think we want to have them. We want to be, did I miss one? No, we're good. Okay. I think we want to believe we can achieve them, but at the same time, if we're honest, sometimes we're repulsed by them. That's why those things exist. Because goals and ambitions and standards represent the best of us. They represent our highest, most lofty achievements and efforts. And at the same time, they remind you of your worst and most embarrassing failures. And that's why we are ambivalent about goals and visions and standards. We have two ways of thinking about them at the same time creates contradictory things in us. It's why some of us never tell anyone. It's why when I was like, do you have a goal? You're like, I'm not telling anyone I've got a goal, right? Because I don't want you to ask me about it, right? Obviously, it's much safer emotionally just to not have goals. This is safer, right? However, without a vision, the people perish. On the other hand, if you have a vision but no will to push towards that vision, you end up abhorring the vision. In despair, you mock the vision. You deconstruct it. Some of us respond to grand visions of life like we respond to losing a game. That's a stupid game anyway. It's rigged. Why play it? Why try? The cards are stacked against me. Why have a grand vision of what it means to be human? Why get up and attempt to follow Jesus? The odds are against you. Stupid game. Often, we dismiss vision and goals not because they are bad, but because for a variety of reasons, you have no will to pursue it. Hmm? The crazy thing is it's precisely the brightness and grandness of the vision that inspires. And it's the same things that cause some of us to give up. Isn't that crazy? Interesting things, humans. <laughs> We're ambivalent about ambitions and goals and lofty visions of life. Think of this scenario. A lot of people at the gym this week. Anybody? Anybody at the gym this week? It's all right, come on. I'm at the gym this week. I'm going for it, okay? We'll see how long it lasts. Imagine, imagine you were at the gym this week and you've set a lofty goal for yourself. Here's a scenario for you, right? I mean, lofty, like you're swinging for the fences, bro. You did a lot of binge watching in 2022. So your goal is 10 push-ups. That's your goal, 
All right, you set this goal, and here you are at the gym week one, and you are dying. You're sweating, huffing, barely breathing. You're like, okay, I got to get my, my bottom line, my baseline. And so, oh, you're pumping it out, and you're trying, you're sweating, right? Everyone's looking at making the noises, right? You guys know the noises people make. Right? You get four. Man, you're proud of yourself. You sit back. You got four. You're halfway, almost halfway to January 8th. You're halfway there. You're going to be able to do this, right? And you're sitting there. Sweat is just water falling off your chin. And you look up. And here's Mr. Overachiever who throws out 50 push-ups in 20 seconds. And he does some kind of front handspring thing in what looks to you like a Marvel pose. You know Marvel poses? You know those things, you know? And then stands up and starts shouting and whooping and high-fiving his little, high-fiving his little posse. And they're, hey, personal PR, yay, high-five, right? You don't know that guy, right? Like, you don't know his challenges and all the work he had to do to get there. You don't know if he broke his arm last year or has a debilitating gut disease or struggles with depression. All you know is he is obviously a jerk, right? <laughs> that dude is a self-centered narcissist, right? What a sh- work, all, work out at home, Captain America, right? Like, okay. Are we, are we, and it, where does that come from? Where's, yeah, right? Where does that come from? What, why are you made hostile at his achievement? What is that? His achievement is not about you in the least. No reflection of you. You made it about you, didn't you? Some people were inspired by his little Marvel thing and stand up. You're just angry. You see, accomplishments, greatness, excellence, perfections, they inspire us, don't they? Right? Impossible situations. On the one hand, they raise us up. They display glory and strength and invite you to rejoice in excellence. More than that, they entice us, don't they? When we see someone doing something super impressive, don't we wonder sometimes for ourselves, I wonder if I could be that cool, strong, endurance. I wonder if I, I wonder if I have, like, like military, I've always wondered from, like, could I endure basic training? I don't, I don't, you know, I've always wondered, like, could you, I wonder if I could, this is really hard. You see that, you remember when those watch Navy SEAL TV shows where they do the training and you're like, no, no way. See, at the same time, High achievements and goals inspire us, and they ask ourselves, what if there's more? What if I could be better? What if I could, what if, what if my marriage didn't have to look the way it does? Parents, what if, dude, what if you didn't have to be on the edge of losing your sanity every night? Wouldn't that be, <laughs> right? Right? It asks us, what if, right? You're there. And you see someone who makes it look easy, and like you want to slap them in the face, and you don't want to be like, man, maybe... How? Like, what if you didn't have to be gnarled up in anger all the time? What if you didn't have to be completely obsessed with lust? Dude, what if, man? What if you could actually be a patient person? (laughs) What if you could actually be? See, on the one hand, they, they entice us. On the other hand, we're repulsed by it. And we scoff at the pursuit of it. Why? 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 Well, for the most part, there's one reason. People scoff because it feels for them unrealistic. It feels unreachable, maybe even unfair. The brightness that they see in that vision, they think, well, that's only for a special few and not for me. They make it about them. It's actually what you're doing there. 
Goals, visions of excellence, pursuing with all your heart, striving to perfection, very polarizing. Tends to draw lines in the sand, even if it's a mental line. What's super fascinating to me is people responded to Jesus the exact same way. Some people saw the moral excellence, the compassion, the power. They saw the perfections of Jesus as a threat. And immediately it made them hostile towards Jesus. They tried over and over and over again to catch him in sin, to trap him, right? He's too perfect. Surely we can drag him down to our level and show everyone that he's a fake just like us. No one could be that perfect. Oddly enough, that's how the religious people responded to Jesus. It's very strange. Then you had these losers. You had these rejects who seemed to have given up on striving for perfection, right? They were the ones who were cynical about high lofty goals, but they weren't repulsed by Jesus at all. They were drawn to him. They couldn't help it, man. They were magnetized to him, which on the surface for me causes a lot of questions. It seems backwards. Like wouldn't the overachievers of the day, the leaders, the, those who seemed capable and able, like why were they repulsed by high standards? They seemed to be the ones who had them, right? And the losers drawn to him. Jesus made the law of Moses unbearable. Have you ever read the Sermon on the Mount? You would think that legalists would love that kind of stuff, right? Don't commit adultery. Yeah, you've heard it. Don't commit adultery. Yeah, right, right. But I say to you, don't entertain lust in your heart at all. You'd think the legalists would be like, yeah, that's hardcore, right? But they didn't. Do you know who was drawn to it? It was the losers. It was those who had given up on external perfection, those who had given up, those who had said, you know what, my value is completely compromised in the eyes of everyone else. My value as a person will never be on my abilities because I've blown it too many times. Those were the type of people that were drawn to Jesus, right? It's fascinating. There was something about Jesus that didn't just invite into a higher standard, but it empowered that pursuit. Right? Jesus was polarizing in really surprising ways. The shocking bits of the scripture we read earlier, that Mike read earlier, is that Jesus is saying, don't just love those who love you. People who don't know God do that, right? But you, you love your enemies and pray for those who actively oppose you. Why? Well, because God does that. God does that. He is abundantly generous to those who hate them, to those who hate him, and to those who love him, both. He's generous to both. He is moral perfection, holy. He is holy. Therefore, you be holy. Moral perfection. This is what Jesus said. This is the goal <laughs> that he set out for me and you. That's the vision. You be perfect in love as your heavenly father is perfect. I think we respond to this kind of like we respond to the guy at the gym. Right? Some people saw Jesus and said, I will lay everything on the line to be like that guy. Everything. Some people saw him and said, I'll do anything I have to do to be near him. I want to be like, I want to emulate what he, I want to be a little him. I just want to copycat that guy. He is awesome. Everything about him I'm drawn to. Power, charisma, kindness, love, compassion. I want that, 
right? And some people saw him and said, how unreasonable, you jerk. Quit making us look bad. Go away. Have you ever heard the gospels? That's literally what people said to Jesus. Leave our town. Go, or you can put it this way. Some people saw Jesus for who he was and they basked in his light, right? No matter how much it revealed their darkness. Maybe the darkness wasn't a surprise for them. Others made it only about them and were utterly scandalized at the suggestion of having any darkness at all. How dare he? After all my work, all my, st my standards, my goals, my visions are fine. See, we all have responses to Jesus' Jesus's visions and goals for us on the surface. And on the surface, his vision is actually breathtaking if you think about it. It's deeply moving. Love your enemies. Be full of compassion for even those who hate you, no matter who they are. Jesus, no matter who they are. Are we going to talk about politics or not? No, let's just move on. Y'all, this is a beautiful vision. It's breathtaking. What if... What, what if people, like, what if, what if you actually did this? What kind of person would you be? What if 10 people in this room loved their enemies and prayed for those who actually persecuted them? Do you know the radical nature? Do you know the upset that would have in the coffee room? When everyone's slamming so-and-so because he's an idiot and you say, you know what, I don't know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I, actually, I love, I'm going to, you know, wet leather on, what are you talking about? You're going to be, don't be kind to him. He's a loser. Dude, do you know the radical consequences it would have in your heart and life if you began to love people who are actively against you? Right now, you got someone right now you're thinking of, oh, that guy at work, that dude's out to get me. What if you actually prayed for that dude instead of sitting up at 11 p.m. plotting his demise? Y'all, I'm just trying to tell you, it's a beautiful vision. I don't care where you're, I don't care if you don't, I'm not, I don't know who you are. You can't deny the fact that's, that's breathtaking. This feels remarkable. Like who wouldn't really want to be that kind of person? Is anyone in this, I mean, anyone want to be willing to say, no, I, I really, no, I don't want to be the guy who loves my enemies. No one I don't think would say it, but why have so many opted out of trying? I don't think anyone in this room would say, you know what? I really don't think I can follow Jesus because his standards are too high. Why have so many opted out of putting forth effort? Why have so many people said, it's a, it's a pie in the sky, bro. Come to church, Chris piles on the guilt. We go home dragging our heels, whatever. <sighs> you know, come back next week, the same thing again. You know? And never actually put our effort in and try to be like Jesus. Why have so many people opted out? I think all some people here, when they come to the standards of Jesus, when they come to the teachings of Jesus, all they hear in their heart is, you're worthless and, and could never be like that. I really believe that, y'all. When we see standards and visions that are bright and breathtaking, some of us, it's just, we just see it as a reflection of us and say, well, it's not for me. I'm not going to be a person full of the Holy Spirit. I'm just not going to be a person full of love and compassion. Others, the beauty of the vision itself inspires. It overwhelms them so much that for some reason it pushes them past themselves. You see? This is how vision and goals actually inspire when it pushes you past your own limitations. 
And for some people, when they saw Jesus, it wasn't immediately a reflection of them. They, in fact, what some people have said about worship is true worship happens when you forget about yourself altogether and are swept up in something so much more beautiful. So why talk about this? Well, obviously, it's January. It's, I mean, you're probably still thinking about your goals. Maybe not, but here's the reality. Whether you wrote something down or not, or are thinking about this at all in your own life, you do have goals. You have things you're striving after. Look at me. You have a vision for what it means to be happy. You do. It may involve playing video games 24 hours. It may involve, what, what are our visions for what we think it means to be happy? A certain waist size, a certain amount of visible ab muscles, you know, a certain amount of zeros behind a paycheck. Every single one of you has a vision for what you think it means to be happy, all right? All of you, like, these are great, right? We all have visions of what it means to be happy. I'm not down in that at all. Like I'm hitting the gym super hard. I, I love it, right? It feels so good. I'm a better man, better husband. Like when I'm exercising, I think most of us have visions and uh, goals for our bodies or our finances. Like we know, we know what that looks like in a healthy state. Tracking? Like we know, we know this is what a healthy body looks like. This is what healthy finances look like. Uh, most of us have this, but I want to ask you, do you have a vision for your soul? Do you have a vision for the kind of person you are becoming? Do you have a vision for what your soul looks like in a healthy state? Because God has a vision for you. God has a goal for you. And I'm curious at how much your vision of life matches up with his vision of your life. I have the same curiosity for church, right? Because when I think about the things that make me happy, then in some small way, experience God's vision for my life. Like whether it's like serving others or sacrificing or praying for others or like financially giving to someone like, dude, it makes, when I experience the profoundness and the depth of those things, it makes my goal seem super shadowy and unsubstantial and frothy. Like compared to the deep meaning and joy that I experience as a person when I submit my vision for my life to God's vision for my life. So what's God's goal, dude? That's what we, we read it. We read, we read God's goal for you, right? We can have more certainty about this than most of you probably want. His ultimate goal for you is total perfection. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's what Jesus said. Be the kind of person who is so full of love that you look like God, abundant in love. Be the kind of person who loves even your enemies, right? God's vision for your life is to transform you into the kind of being who is fit for heaven, the kind of being who can exist in perfection. You ever wondered how does imperfection get to perfection and not ruin it? You know, you ever wonder that? Like, how can you go, if we find a perfect church, don't go, don't go to it because you're going to ruin it, right? You ever wonder that? Like, how can I be the kind of person who can flourish in Eden, in perfection, right? Without spot, clean, perfect, right? Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I love this coffee mug. This is a, this is a motivational poster mug, uh, poster line. That's why most of you have dismissed it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil. This is why most of you don't meditate on this because you've dismissed it as hogwash, right? As like for the fairy tale pixie dust stuff, right? God's plans for you is to give you a future and a hope. It's God's vision for you. He wants you to have hope. Then you will call upon me and come to me and pray and I will hear you. 
When you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart. God's vision, his trajectory involves you seeking him with all your heart. It involves you having an intimacy with him that is transformative. God's vision is all out, everything on the line, seeking him with all. That word in in the original language, Hebrew, guess what it means? All your heart. Yeah. And if he has to use pain and sorrow and discomfort and heartache and betrayal to get you there, it's a small price to pay for the reward of intimacy with the father of all creation. Right? So, okay, let's just stop. Let's chat. All right? Because some of you checked out as soon as I said perfection. Seriously? Perfection? Right? That should be my goal by the end of 2023. No, no, that should not be your goal, but that should be your goal today. Right now. That should be your goal to the glory of God. Right? Some of you are already backing out, dude. You're just being like, I'm out, Chris. Like this is your goal for 2023? I'm out. I don't got what it takes. Listen, <laughs> we tend to think when I die, all that spiritual perfection stuff will come into play. Look, let me tell you right now. Let me just blow that category up. The process starts right here. Amen. Right, all right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for that. You do not have to wait for heaven. I'm going to prove it to you with the Bible. Let's do that. Okay. Second Corinthians 3.17. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. What's the image? The glory of the Lord from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. It's going on right now in degrees, little by little, by locking your eyes on Jesus on his vision, on his strength, on his ability, even now you will begin to be changed. Some of you don't believe it. You're in church. I'm so happy you're in church. You don't think it's possible, right? Because you've hacked away at that wall as much as you can. You've you've tried everything you can do and you're still not free of that thing, that addiction, that whatever. I'm telling you, Jesus wants you to take a step forward today and and it starts with you getting your eyes off yourself. When we come up to the expanse of his vision for our life, most of us sit down before even trying because it feels to us impossible. That's why Jesus said, I'm gonna send, I'm gonna get this little guy's called the helper. I'm gonna send this guy to you. And guess what? When that guy comes, he's gonna fill you with power. You know what that means? That means you can actually walk out the stuff he's calling you to do. That means you're gonna have, a, it's like, it's a resource. It's like electricity. It's like electric, when electricity was, Dallas Willard talks about when electricity was going across the plains of America, like in the mid whenever century that was happening, right? You have these farmers who are getting, uh, they're doing all their stuff without electricity. And then all of a sudden here comes the grid and everything changed. Why? Because all of a sudden there's a new power source that was available to them. Of course, some resisted. Of course, some said, I don't need that hogwash, witchcraft. And then, but dude, other people changed their lives. Productivity skyrockets. Oh my gosh, we don't have to do this. Dude, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is on offer today, right now. A completely new power source for you in your pursuit of perfection if you decide to pursue it. Because you can opt out. And many of us do. Because it feels unrealistic. Y'all, this is huge. This is huge. (laughs) The, The idea of seeing Jesus in his strength and power, and glory, and that we are to be small vessels that hold it. We are to be reflections of his perfection. The idea is that we saw spiritual strength. We saw the guy in the gym, right? We saw Jesus with his compassion towards everyone, his kindness, and we said, that is so beautiful, I'm going to run after it with all my heart. 
Hey, what is? So let's just get practical. Everyone likes that. Let's get practical. What's it look like? What's the vision, Chris? That sounds great. Love it. Wonderful. Vision. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. What does it look like? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. How are we supposed to figure out what we're striving for? Like, what's the, what's the model? Let me, just, let me just relieve everyone right now. It ain't me. Some of you are relieved at that, right? Because you know why? It's not how Christianity works. That may be how the modern church works. It's not how Christianity works. See, for some of you, it's like, oh, you're Chris, you seem great. You know, well, this is cool. Just hang out for a while. I will let you down. I can promise. Somebody's like, too late. Exactly. Because we ain't striving after men. Who gives us our vision? What's the, it's not me, man. Oh, I'm so relieved it's not me. You know what the vision is? 2 Corinthians 4, 6. What is the image of the glory of God? It's the face of Christ. That's the vision. That's the pursuit. Hebrews 1, 3. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the vision. It's why our vision of this church is to be people declaring and delighting in Jesus, right? Because he gives us the vision, right? We, the vision is that you take on the power of God himself in your actual life, that you begin to be the perfect reflection of Jesus in your context, in your family, in your relationships, in your workplace, right? That's God's radical vision for broken humanity. And if it does not feel radical to you, either you've not read the gospels or you've not hung out with humans, right? The vision is to be conformed to the image of Jesus, this takes the idea of following Jesus from the ethereal, fairy, pixie dust world that we like to put him in and it puts flesh on it. What does it even mean to follow Jesus? It means you see something so beautiful in him that you want to be like him. It means you are trying. It means you are pursuing with all your heart to do the things he did. It means you saw the goal. You saw what he did. You saw the standard, right? And you said, I want that. I'm going to put everything on the line to pursue what I see in this man, Jesus, right? And I want to look out. I want to look out at people. Here's a radical thought for you. I want to go to the mall and not just be in contempt. <laughs> yeah. I want to look out at people and I want to be like Jesus. Like I want, to, I want to be filled with compassion when I look out over the hordes of consumeristic capitalism. Bah! Right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine liking people? Is anyone drawn to that but me? Does anyone else think I could use a little bit of that in my life, right? Like, I want to have, I saw the wisdom of Jesus' teaching and I want that. I want wisdom in my life. I saw the way he dealt with the outcast. I saw the way he healed the sick. I want the, I need the power of God. Dude, that's what it means to follow Jesus. If you've not been captivated by the beauty of Jesus enough to want to pursue it, you don't follow him. You don't. Okay, it's okay. I know we're in church, everyone breathe. If you don't think Jesus is beautiful, if you don't think he's worthy of pursuit, if you're not putting it on the line to try to copy and do the things he's done, you, how do you follow him? You just don't. I love you guys. What it means to follow Jesus is so much more practical than we want to think about it. It means that we see him doing things and we do those things. That's how follow the leader works. When he goes left, you go left. 
When he prays for someone, you pray for someone. When his heart, when his heart breaks for the brokenness of humanity, you say, okay, I'm going to open my heart up to this. Do I want to? No. But I want to follow Jesus. I've seen something in him so beautiful, so breathtaking, so majestic, that I, so glorious that I want some of that for myself. So it means putting your hand to the plow and actually staking a, taking a step. We over-spiritualize it, guys. Now, before you get up and walk out, <laughs> let's just stop and ask, why aren't you putting forth the effort to pursue him? Why, for many of you in this room, this does not feel like an option? Why are you discluded from his love and power? I want you to ask yourself right now. Why can't you be a person full of love and compassion and generosity? Why, why can't you be that? Why can't you love your enemies? Why can't you be full of the Holy Spirit and the power of God? I think a lot of people do see Jesus as inspiring. They want to pursue him or want to want to pursue him. You know, see all the things about him, but they find an unscalable wall between themselves and the vision. Hmm? Like you want, you, you're like, yeah, I can see how that would be nice, but you're a realist and you know yourself. And there's an impenetrable wall between you and the vision of God for your life. No matter how hard you hack away at it, you're locked out of the vision. Your position is be real, dude. It's unrealistic. It's pie in the sky. It's not reality. I barely like those who like me. How <laughs> am I supposed to love my enemies, right? I think for so many Christians, they sit down before they ever honestly try because it seems unreachable, unreachable. And therefore, sermons like this go in one ear and out the other and never land in the reality of how you actually live. G.K. Chesterton, who was much smarter than me, said this, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found difficult. It has been found difficult and left untried. I don't know if untried is a real word, but he is much smarter than me, so I will. To many of you look at the lifestyle and the love of Jesus and say, it's unscalable. It's unreachable. I'll worship him, but I'm not going to try to be like him. And if you feel that there's a wall between you and total and complete transformation in the power of the Holy Spirit, I have to tell you, I'm just going to tell you something right now. I'm going to end, end on today. That wall, as real as it feels, is a pile of rubble according to scripture. That wall that feels like it's keeping you out of walking in the goal and the vision of God for your life because of the cross has been destroyed. It is a phantom wall. It's an amalgamation of your entire psychological life of sin and failure. That wall is a project projection of the past. That wall you have created from what you know about yourself, not what the Bible says is true about God. That wall is you making it about you. It's you making it about your weakness and your sin. You know you don't like people. You know sin's always gripped you. Why would it be different tomorrow? You might have been in church too long to hear this, but this is a beautiful, powerful, and this is the beautiful, powerful invitation of the gospel that all you have to do right now is repent of building the wall and believe Jesus has obliterated that by his love. And in that moment, you will begin to be transformed. In that moment, 
you will begin to be transformed into someone who looks more like Jesus. Will you be perfect this side of heaven? Probably not. But look, if that's going to stop you from trying, then you do not follow Jesus. Because what it means to follow him is to attempt with all of your heart to follow him, to live like he lived, right? Because a Christian is the person who is running with all their heart after holiness. The Christian is the one who is pushing, who is leaning into God's glory increasingly every day from glory to glory. I don't know if you claim to believe the authority of scripture. Let me just read you some scripture, then we'll wrap it up. And I'm gonna, I just want to echo how Jesus taught. You know, Jesus, Jesus would say things like this. Have you never read that his divine power has given you everything required for life and godliness, the knowledge of him who called you by his own glory and goodness? According to what, uh, according to scripture, to that, you have been given everything you need to be a godly person. Right? By the knowledge. Have you never read that the temple curtain was torn in two? Have you never read that he canceled the certificate of debt consisting in the decrees against you, which was hostile to you, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross? Don't make it about you, y'all. God doesn't reveal your sin so you'll grovel. He reveals your sin so you'll submit it to his power. Stop fixating on your weakness. Stop moping in your guilt because you've realized his love is brighter than your sin is dark, right? This is what we want to realize. I love you. Your sin's just not that impressive. No one in this room, here's, a, here's something for you to think about. No one in this room will be kept out of heaven because your sin was too great. I think John Piper said this. No, you will be kept out of heaven because your unwillingness to believe Jesus has dealt with your sin. It is not your strength that's on trial. It's your faith in the strength of God. Not believing his power is great enough or greater than your sin. Sin doesn't keep you in death. Unbelief does. Unbelief does. Unwillingness to believe that God is as strong as he says he is has the power he says he has. According to scripture, sin has lost its power over you if you believe, right? And I, no matter how, how many times we hear this, for some of us, our sin, our shortcomings is always gonna be greater than the power of God. So here's what we're gonna do. Let's pray, okay? If you feel that there is an unscalable wall in between you and Jesus, I want to give you a chance right now to do something about it. If during this whole time, you're just like, you know what, dude, that's me. Like, I'm, I, I'm drawn to it. Like, I want to pursue, but I've failed too many times. Like, I, I've tried and tried it. I'm just not willing to put forth any effort. And there's a lot on the line. Man, listen, if that's you, I just want to give you the opportunity to just acknowledge that. So right now, people, people's eyes are closed, it's fine. If, 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 if it just feels unrealistic to you to even try, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Like, I'm just at this place where I, I, don't, I don't even have the umph to, to push forward. Okay, God, over every heart who's been honest before you, I think heaven just rejoiced. 
God, thank you that we can come to a place like this and actually be honest about our our weaknesses and our failures. And what we find from Jesus is not contempt and judgment. It's forgiveness. It's restoration. It's empowerment. So Holy Spirit, over every person who who just raised their hand and just said, man, I don't even have the will to push. Like, I'm, I'm convinced that the wall is too great. Holy Spirit, would you rest on them right now? If you didn't raise your hand, would you just agree with me right now? that God, that he would come and that he would make his strength known to our brothers and sisters right now. Would you just pray that with me? Father, come. Make make your strength known to those of us in this room who feel disconnected from your power, for whom it feels unrealistic. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me read you a quote before we leave today. C.S. Lewis said, the command, be ye perfect, is not idealistic gas, nor is it a command to do the impossible. He is going to make us into creatures that can obey that command if we let him. For we can prevent him if we choose. He will make the feeblest and filthy of us into a god or goddess, a dazzling, radiant, immortal creature, pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love as we cannot now imagine, a bright, stainless mirror which reflects back to God perfectly, though, of course, on a smaller scale, his own boundless power and delight and goodness. The process will be long and in parts very painful, but that is what we are in for, nothing less. He said what he meant, or he meant what he said. There it is. I think the reality of us when we come to a sermon or or a teaching of Jesus like this is we want less for us than God wants. We want him to intervene in ways that we see fit, fix this and fix that, small renovations, and he wants the whole building down in a whole new house, down to the foundation. If you raised your hand today because you feel locked out of progress with God, I want you to come forward and receive prayer. We want to pray with you, for you, about that wall that is up between you and the Lord. We think by the power of the Holy Spirit, he can can remove it. So if you did, man, come up and and pray. If you didn't and you want to get on on it, come up and pray, man. Come on. Why, Why not start now? Why not put the effort in now to follow Jesus? Let me pray for us. Father, I just ask and beg that through all the ramblings you've spoken to our hearts today, God. And I pray that um, our hearts have heard it as invitation to step into something so much more beautiful. God, a way of life, a vision for living that so far um, outweighs our own, is brighter than our own. Um, Come, Holy Spirit, give us the confidence and boldness we need to follow you. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have an excellent week, guys. We'll see you next time.